Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for tuning in to the PWF Empire podcast. Jay here along with Lucas, one of the co-hosts of the SmackDown review show and also the international man of mystery, a.k.a. the Canadian sensation, Dalton. What's up, guys? What's going on, Jay? Um, I've heard you've not had the most awesome day to day. You know, some people Mm -hmm. don't respect how people use their time. Um, you know, I can't say I've had that bad of a day as far as time goes, but my apartment looks like the Tasmanian devil done ran his ass through here. Um, cause I'm about to get a new setup guys, by the way, the international man of mystery will have a new pad. Are you moving to setup. America? Uh, just possibly, okay. <laughs> just possibly, um, moving to America, a whole new setup, uh, be a whole lot better for the show for one. But yeah, this, uh, this is. If you guys could see this, this is not looking very good. Yeah, I know all about that moving stuff. I remember I moved from my apartment uh, when I was joining the Air Force, and it's so crazy. Like, you're getting to the point where everything is empty, but just it, like like that little sliver of time in between, you know, you living versus you moving, that time in between, holy shit, just <laughs> looks like a disaster zone. But I am curious, since you are possibly leaving canada soon you got anything you want to share with us about the the great white north well considering the great uh, that that easy enough for me to say (laughs) considering the great white north um don't have any geographical facts for you this this week but there is some praise i have to issue to one canadian american as a matter of fact Hmm. the american hope we've all dreamed of the united states champion we've all dreamed of from Montreal, because, you know, he changed where he hails from, Mr. Kevin Owens. I think he is the best face of America we could ever ask for right now. Okay. I thought that was Donald Trump. Who? Who? Donald Trump. Uh, you're not going to trigger me. I'm not Cass. I'm not so easily triggered. So. <laughs> this is the point. Shut up, Lucas. That's where we... But you know and what? He throws in a dummy. <laughs> you know what? I don't want you to shut up at all, Lucas, though, because you have been all over the place this week on PWF Empire. You had the SmackDown review. You also were on Last Mark Standing, where, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it already, Lucas came up just a little bit short in the end, and he lost the Last Mark Standing championship match to Duke. Now, the interesting thing about this whole situation is that I'm reading through the comments on the video and it seemed as if people are saying that you got robbed (laughs) what was your reaction to reading those comments (laughs) well first of all i said i was shocked but i don't think shocked is the right word i think that humbled is more so the word i want to use here because i did not expect myself to get that kind of reaction on the video especially considering one of my choices and one of my answers Mm -hmm. but it's glad to know people listen and they paid attention to my arguments you know i saw one that said lucas can say some crazy shit sometimes but for the most part he's usually right thank you man i i I guess (laughs) i guess people do listen to me and and what i have to say because i say that myself a lot i was right you know uh but no this is this is great and this is actually motivation motivation for me to want to rematch against Duke because I felt like I came up just short as well or I felt like I did actually win that. So uh, 
I don't know, Jay, the ball is in your hands with that decision. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to make the most of this and hopefully represent PWF Empire the best I can, which right now it seems like I have. (laughs) Well, can I just go ahead and say this? Like, you know, on the episode, I said I'm not going to drive myself crazy or people are not going to drive me crazy with causing me to rethink the decisions that I make. Um, If you say the ball was in my hands... Looking back on that episode, I do think I dropped the ball. Watching it back, Uh watching it back, if I could redo that decision right now, you would be the winner. And it's not because I'm swayed by anything that anybody said in the comments. Like, I think that that's wonderful that they're sharing their opinions. It's just that if I'm being honest, I think that in my mind... I put you at an unreasonable standard because I actually mentioned this on the show. You picked a real life person in Roman Reigns um, because he actually did defeat The Undertaker at WrestleMania. So you had more going against you in that argument. And it's like I put the stand like. I knew that going into the show, like Lucas has so much going against him with him picking Roman Reigns. And I think that I set that standard way too high because for everything that you had going against you, your argument was solid as a fucking rock and everything that they threw your way, you, you hit it. You really did. I I guess maybe I was like expecting like one big grand slam moment but hell you got some rbis you got some 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 singles some doubles and i like like i said um if i had the opportunity to do it again i would pick you as the winner but whatever decision that's made is final you just know that shit that just gives you more motivation for the next time around to step it up even further like i I would tell you right now do not get comfortable and oh well jay thought i was gonna win so he's gonna make sure i win this next one because he's gonna you know he's gonna want to make up for the mistake that he made no no i should i can say i made i I made the wrong decision as far as i'm concerned but you still got to step it up next time and with the two appearances that you've had on last mark standing i don't doubt that you will not at all Mm, I like that. I, I'm fucking ready, man. If there's <laughs> another one that's tonight, tomorrow, whenever. Oh, man. Okay. I, I, I'm going to spark. Okay. Well, speaking of you and sparking, you, you almost burned the damn place down on the SmackDown review because I was listening to that show and I was ready to jump on. I was ready to do a run in because you and this stuff that was going on with Charlotte and you talking about charlotte in the women's division on smackdown so could you just give people a little brief recap of your stance on charlotte since she's joined the smackdown women's division well my opinion on charlotte being in the smackdown women's division since the whole shakeup is that i don't think it's a good move for that division at all or even for the smackdown brand in general because my argument from the beginning has been that Charlotte being there only benefits her, doesn't benefit anybody else in that division. And there was proof of that this past week on SmackDown when the other women were just spectators in the back 
watching Charlotte just take the division away from them. Then you have somebody like Shane McMahon start off SmackDown by basically telling Natalia that she ain't shit and that Charlotte is Ric Flair's daughter and that's the only reason she's getting her her title shot. I'm I'm like, are you are you kidding me right now? So because she has a last name Flair, she's gonna get everything handed to her. And I knew this going in that that's exactly what was gonna happen. I just don't get this big hype behind Charlotte. I mean, yeah, she's talented, but other than her being talented, I just don't think there's much that warrants her being must see TV or or her being a valuable asset to a division because she pretty much did the same thing on Raw where she just drained that division to the ground. And now it seems like she's draining the division of SmackDown to the ground and she's only been there for like one week. All right, so I got a problem with this, Lucas. And this was something I noticed you mentioned in the uh, last Mark Standing episode. I'll give you praise for the stuff you did, but when you start bashing Charlotte, that's why I have to call your ass out. Criticize when necessary, but give credit where credit is due. Amen. So bring that ass here, boy. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, what did you expect Charlotte to do? Ignoring the fact that her last name is Flair, if there's supposed to be some continuity with the uh, with the resume that Charlotte has built up over on Raw, everyone was was clamoring for Charlotte to go over to SmackDown because she was the biggest uh, acquisition that either brand had. Even Shane put her over and said, I think we have the biggest pick here. Here's somebody who ran through everybody on Raw. If there's supposed to be continuity, why would she suddenly climb the ladder on SmackDown? Nobody on SmackDown holds a candle to Charlotte and what she's built for herself over there. And yes, you could say that, you know, the the triangle women matches between Charlotte, Bailey, and Sasha got overplayed, uh, which is why she needed to move. But quite honestly, even Naomi as a champion and what she's been doing, I don't think holds a candle to what Charlotte has done in the comprendum of her career and moving over to SmackDown. I see no problem with inserting herself in the women's championship uh, picture over there because quite honestly, I think her body of work warrants it. I think the uh, thing with me and you, Lucas, the disagreement comes into play even before Charlotte enters the equation. Because I remember you saying before the superstar shakeup that there didn't need to be that many changes in the SmackDown women's division because they were solid as is. I looked at the SmackDown women's division and said that they needed someone, not needed someone like Charlotte. They needed Charlotte, period, because Charlotte being inserted into that division, she brings all of that legitimacy with her everything single thing that she's built up for herself on monday night raw as dalton said it's a very impressive body of work all of that stuff that she built up with her it'll follow her over to smackdown and if we do get into a situation where charlotte overshadows the division it's not charlotte's responsibility or it's not the responsibility of the creative team to diminish charlotte's star and dim the spotlight on her just so everyone looks equal in comparison it's time for everyone else to step up and rise to the level that charlotte is at so if we're at a point where charlotte is maybe overshadowing the division or if she's going to eventually get to that point so be it everybody else you got to step up because that's where you need to be. She doesn't need to come down to accommodate you. You need to rise up to greet her where she is right now. But Jay, that's where that's where I think the SmackDown women's division was fine and did not need to be fixed or broken because because it case, was like a, a, a an equal playing field. Yes, exactly. You you bring Charlotte to SmackDown, you pretty much 
put that division on notice. You put them in a position where now they're exposed. You see the flaws. You see the you see what's wrong with the division. You see the weaknesses. Whereas beforehand, they, it just wasn't as exposed. You had so much equal playing field that there was hardly any room to consider, oh, this is shit. This is weak. Now you're starting to see that. And Charlotte being there is the problem. It's like they, they literally try to fix something, but instead of fixing it, they've kind of just knocked on the door and, and bro- broke it. Because now Charlotte is there, and she's pretty much, like I said, she, as, good, as good as she is, which you guys think she's better than what <laughs> I think she is. But, but as good as I get, or as decent as I, I guess she is, she her being there is basically going to bury anything that that division stood for but, for the last six months. See, here's the thing, Lucas. I completely understand what you're saying, and I I see where you're coming from because if you looked at the division on SmackDown versus the one on Raw a few months ago, you had at one pay per view it was three women's matches on the card, three friggin' matches, and I love. I honestly. Real, I'm gonna bring it down a little bit. I liked, I liked what they were doing in the SmackDown Women's Division, where everything was open and it was an equal playing field, and there was no one that was really any kind of favorite or anything like that. And on any given day, one person could beat the next person. And you know, you compare that to Monday Night Raw, where you had the Holy Trinity of the division up there, just sucking all of the life from the rest of the women in the division. But you also have to acknowledge some of the benefits that come with having actual superstars that stand out versus everyone being equals. I could not have seen a scenario where the women on SmackDown would have main evented an episode of that show. I could not have seen a scenario on SmackDown where the women could have main evented a pay-per-view. I could not have seen a scenario on SmackDown where those women were making the same waves that the women on Monday Night Raw did. So it's kind of like some pros and cons with it. You bring a superstar into that division. Yeah, it does expose some people in the division and expose some of the weaknesses and the talent that that you have there. But it also provides a wider opportunity to grow and to become a bigger part of the show. Um, I think you kind of have to adopt a utilitarian philosophy here in that uh, there's a greater number of superstars or female superstars that could benefit from having somebody like Charlotte on the SmackDown roster. Because if you look over at Raw prior to the superstar shakeup, um, you could easily say that Sasha and Charlotte could be main eventers for Raw. You could They've already done it. Bailey too, to an extent, but you know we're going to ignore the fact that Bailey's character has been fucked with over there. Um, Looking at SmackDown, Jay already mentioned it. You cannot, at least I couldn't foreseeably see any of those uh, women main eventing a SmackDown show, let alone a pay-per-view. It's not like Charlotte's going to start another 18-month pay-per-view streak over on SmackDown. I mean, shoot, they might attempt that, but to be honest, when that started, did any of us look at that and go, you know, it looks like they're building a streak. Like, we didn't notice it. It just kind of happened. Mm-hmm. It just kind of built itself up over time. And eventually we came to grow to appreciate what she was doing. And maybe that'll happen over on SmackDown. But just because she ran roughshod on Raw doesn't mean that it will ex- you know, necessarily have the exact same outcome over on SmackDown. And moreover, some of these women are going to get victories over Charlotte. And if they do, that will help build their own legitimacy. But, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, leave, to leave the matches just to those who were on SmackDown previously, you'd have the same problem you would have on Raw where it's the same three or four women being featured every single time. And I th- think 
you know, even if it's somebody of the caliber of Charlotte, a victory over Charlotte for somebody will benefit the division much more than leaving them where they stood previously. While while I agree with that, Dalton, you're definitely spot on with that. I just think that at the same time, buildups and storylines matter. And I just don't think Charlotte is that kind of character who warrants a good storyline or good buildup because the, it's tricky because for me, the, the argument with Charlotte, a lot of people give her so much credit because she's she brings legitimacy and she's great in the ring. Mm-hmm. But I, I just don't think she has that character, that persona in her that drives people crazy, that make people uh, attracted to her. You know what I mean? It, it's kind of this thing where because she's a flair – and I'm not knocking her for being a flair, but I think because she's a flair, she tends to get away with more and gets more things thrown at her because I just don't see the appeal as far as look, charisma, or personality is concerned. And when I want a good storyline, <laughs> I don't depend on Charlotte in the women's division to give me a good storyline. Whereas before on SmackDown, prior to her being there, I felt like I was being entertained by all those women because, again, it goes back to that equal playing field. And not only that equal playing field, but you had such great characters and personalities in Mickey James and in uh, Alexa Bliss. I mean, let's be honest here. Alexa Bliss is a great character, and she brings a lot to the table. She's dynamic. She's not one-dimensional. And I think Charlotte is so one-dimensional to a point where all she does is rely on cheap heat. And I just can't stand that about her. So with that, and then her just completely getting pushed, it irks me. Because I think that I need to see something out of her on a weekly basis as far as her overall uh, resume is concerned. Not just, oh, because she's talented or because she's legitimate. I understand that argument. But at the same time, just because you have a good match and you get a win over her, doesn't mean you're solidified because you still need a story. And I don't think she tells a good story of going up against a baby face. That, and that's the point I will you know, concede your way. Um, I certainly get that. Charlotte, in my opinion, plays the best role when she's the kingpin. You know, We've already accepted her in the, the dominant position. We kind of just expect her to be holding a title. And I think she works best when someone's chasing her. But the reality of it is, is that she's chasing Naomi in this case. And she's not been defined clearly as a baby face. Naomi is the baby face. And, you know, Naomi's got spunk. She's got attitude. That's perfectly fine. That's perfectly okay for what, that's perfectly okay for what her character, you know, is. But Charlotte, in this situation, she's kind of suffering from the same thing I think a lot of other superstars are right now, is that this shakeup, let's be honest, I don't think a lot of the writers were anticipating where certain superstars were going. There were clearly some last-minute decisions because some of these characters, some of these superstars have been put in positions where you wouldn't naturally find someone like Charlotte chasing this way. You wouldn't naturally find Bray... Well, no, you would find Bray Wyatt in a weak position. Never mind, that was bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, you know, some of these might have been last-minute decisions, and you know, who's to say Charlotte might have been one of them, honestly. Um, but I don't think the issue is that Charlotte lacks an ability to tell a story. It's that she's not placed right now in the best way for her to be able to tell that story. Yeah, because the thing that she's riding on is um, 
basically exactly what Lucas said. She's Charlotte. She's talented. She's legit. But exactly. Um, exactly. But it's only one week into the damn thing. It, but I, I get what you're saying. Like I, I don't even necessarily disagree. Well, I do disagree when you, you you're throwing that shade at Charlotte, cause saying that she's not all that. She, she is all that and a bag of chips. Now, um, but I I get what you're saying when it's like she comes in, she's shaken up one week, beats the champion the next. What's going to happen the next week? Is she just going to win the title like that? So I I do get what you're saying. Like she just can't ride on her name or just ride on her legitimacy. She has to create a compelling story with that. But I think that Charlotte being Charlotte, Charlotte being legit and the other, the rest of the division responding to her being this superstar that is a story in and of itself and that's a story that I'm interested in watching but um one thing that I do want to say Dalton you kind of threw me off there when you said uh, Naomi has spunk cuz my favorite movie of all time is The Color Purple and there's this one scene where this uh, th- this guy Mr he was talking about how one of the characters got spunk she got spunk. She can talk to anybody. She can stand up and be noticed. So I can go all in. I know that whole scene word for fucking word. The Color Purple, my favorite movie of all time. But yeah, um, onward and upward. Let's talk about Jinder Mahal now. Oh, God. Mm. Here, okay, before, before we jump in, <laughs> let me just say, I'm going to get heat right now for saying this. I don't hate this decision. Mm. What? Okay, Dalton. You're the antagonist on this show. <laughs> I guess I guess I am. I took your I took your thunder. So <laughs> let's just go right into it. So somebody asked me on Twitter. I think it was Ant Mac. I don't remember the numbers in his Twitter handle, but Ant Mac, forty five, the guy. Yeah, forty five. There you go. That guy. He gets credit. He asked me. You know, I wrote out that I don't totally disagree with Jinder Mahal being chosen in the context in which he was as the number one contender for the world title. And he said, well, don't you see a problem with somebody who was a jobber, a known jobber, the week previous, now being put in the number one position? Mm-hmm. No. Here's why I – here's why I – okay. On let's, let's preface this. On paper, in theory, by every account, I should. In practice, however, when you put somebody in a six-pack challenge where you can have fuckery like this, you position people. Let's look at uh, Dolph, uh, Dolph Ziggler when he won way back in the way back, and he was challenging for Dean Ambrose's world title. Around SummerSlam, yeah. Yeah, around SummerSlam. No one thought Dolph Ziggler was the shoe-in for that. I, At least for me, I thought Bray Wyatt was going to win. And in the same respect, in this six-pack challenge, I thought, okay, it's probably Luke, uh, Luke Harper. That was my choice. And then I noticed Jinder Mahal was stealing a lot of the pins. You know, somebody would deliver their finisher, Jinder would go for the steal and just barely get pushed out of the way by somebody. I'm like, he's stealing really, really often. This is like an edge opportunistic kind of deal. And that's when I noticed, holy crap, they're going to give it to Jinder. And what do you know they did? (laughs) Now, once again, in theory, somebody who is a known jobber, I even looked this up, to find Jinder's last singles victory, and it wasn't... You know, not a tag match, not a fuckery finish. A last pinfall was somewhere in 2015 on Saturday Night's Main Event. Um, so I understand the criticism that's like, what the fuck? Who is this guy? This guy literally just concussed Finn Balor. He's not safe. You know, he's only getting pushed because his physique, because Vince has a hard on for him. I understand all that. <laughs> however, however... Can we not agree right now that SmackDown is already participating in a philosophical change 
in the way that they view the United States title. But here's the thing about that. Hold on. You just created my opening right there. (laughs) I understand if you want to add a level of importance to the United States Championship, to a mid-card title in WWE, that does not mean that you have to tank the friggin' World Championship just to make that possible. You can do both at the same time. It's not an either-or situation where you have to choose, okay, which title is going to be important. Is it going to be this title or that title? Because as far as the WWE um, or the United States Championship is concerned, they're rocking it. Kevin Owens, Baron Corbin, AJ Styles, fucking amazing stuff going on right there. And not to mention that great number one contenders match that they had last week. One of my favorite matches of the year. But... You got all of that going on there. Jinder Mahal, have a seat. Shit, Randy Orton, you have a seat too. Shit, I don't. You can leave the building as far as I'm concerned because I honestly forget that Randy Orton is even champion, and I don't think that Randy Orton is a big enough star currently or interesting enough as champion in his own right for him to be there to support a person like Jinder Mahal. Because, like, I can understand if WWE does something like this and, you know, Randy Orton is compelling enough on his own and, you know, his presence is, you know, palpable and it's it's solid enough to carry gender. But I'm looking at this, I'm like, I don't really know Gender Mahal and I know Randy Orton, but I don't give a rat's ass about him. So who do I turn to? Yeah. And 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 Jay, you pretty much you like you pretty much said everything I sort of said on the SmackDown review because I remember I kind of said said the same thing. Like I would have been perfectly fine if Jinder Mahal is getting this push, but the problem is He's not facing somebody that's going to give him that attention or put or or that spotlight. I, I mean, he's facing Randy Orton, and what did Randy Orton do? He shifted his attention to Bray Wyatt. So yeah, I kind of already said that, which is why I'm backing you completely here. Like you just took the words out of my mouth. But to add to our argument, I think John Cena would have been more effective in this case than Randy Orton because everybody knows. Once you face John Cena, you get ex- like you get good exposure. You get a reaction. People know who the fuck you are, and you make a statement with John Cena. Randy Orton is just so cut dry. He's he's so fucking vanilla. Like the guy, he just <laughs> he's not exciting. He he really isn't. Who Nothing was that about- they called? I think was it Cass that said Randy Orton is just like a part timer, but he's always there. That was the fucking <laughs> perfect description of randy orton because when i look at him i don't what is he now like a 13 time world champion i don't get that presence from him like i don't yeah. I, I don't you know sit up you know get on the edge of my seat when randy orton comes out like oh shit you know things have really turned up for example like with john cena anytime i hear john cena's music if i wasn't paying attention before it's like i really gotta watch attentively yep. now because i know something interesting is gonna happen with john cena randy orton doesn't have that same type of clout in wwe and it's a damn shame that that's the case especially with everything that they invested in this feud with bray wyatt but he's here now royal rumble winner won the wwe championship at wrestlemania and then gender mahal so what i'm getting guys. what i'm getting is that you two are dissatisfied with that choice because gender can't play off of randy so it's randy's fault 
No, well, and it, it also has something. Yeah, it also has something to do with Jinder Mahal as well. And this is another point that I want to talk about in this situation because, of course, you get someone a number one contender like Jinder Mahal, then there's a backlash to him being named. Then there's a backlash to that backlash when people out there, oh, well, wrestling fans, they complain about wanting something new and then they get something new and they complain about that too. Wrestling fans are never satisfied. Let me tell you, I cannot fucking stand stuff like that. I can't stand it at all. And maybe I shouldn't blame the people that say things like that because the problem, the root of the issue is in the fact that, you know, People say things, oh, the problem with this is that it's too predictable. The problem with this is that we've seen, you know, these people too many times and we want something new. We want something fresh. Just because something is new, just because it's fresh, doesn't mean it's good. Just because something is unpredictable doesn't mean it's good. And that's why I don't lean on arguments like that. Anytime that I say something, you know, anytime I say I don't like something, it's always as descriptive as I possibly can be. And I don't want just straight up unpredictable or new. I want compelling. I want good because unpredictable and new, it can fail you. It can and shit. Maybe we're in that situation right now. Just because Jinder Mahal is new and something different, it does not mean that he's automatically good. Shit, we can have Hornswoggle come back at Money in the Bank <laughs> with the briefcase and then he cashes it in. That's new. That's unpredictable. I mean, does that mean it and, would be good? No. And and people and people that usually go by that logic, oh, it's new, so you have to like it are people who are usually already within the wrestling business because they want to feel like they know more than a fan does. But you pretty much described it perfectly. Just because something is new, it doesn't mean it's bound to be glorious. Like, for example, just because I buy a fucking new ice cream because I'm tired of the old ice cream and I think that ice cream tastes like shit, the new one, does that mean I have to keep liking it because it's fucking new? That's that's a stupid argument. Just put some salted caramel on it. There you go. I told Jay. I showed Jay the wonder. (laughs) Yeah, he put me on that salted caramel. Yeah, that's good stuff. (laughs) Or, or for, or or another example, which this one is more precise and more clear. But let's say you break up with your ex and you want a new girlfriend. Does that mean that new girlfriend is going to be the one you marry? No, that's not what it means. You're just trying it out, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. It's as Mm -hmm. simple as that. And in this case, with Jinder Mahal. It's the same shit. Like, here's the thing. I wouldn't have had a problem with this if they at least give me a story and mm-hmm. they built up to it. But this was just thrown at us. It was just I mean, look at look at those who were in contention in this match. The only person, realistically, that had a story going into it was Luke Harper. Because Sami Zayn was in the United States picture the week previous. Yep. So I don't, you know, he wasn't a shoe-in. Uh, fuck, who else was in the match? Dolph Ziggler. Uh, He's tied up with Shinsuke Nakamura, so he's not going to win. Um, th- that tells you how many other people I was actually paying attention to. I can't. <laughs> Eric Rowan was in there. Ne- it says enough. He, Mojo you know, he's a champion in his own right. Named Jomo. Oh wait, it's not Jomo. It's uh, but Mo- this is the problem. I think that you know I'm not going to give SmackDown this much credit and say this is what their rationale was. But this is the issue you run into when you brand yourself as the land of opportunity because you can get a little bit heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so, like, I won't go as far because I've seen people go like, oh, gender deserves it. He's no one diets like him. Well, you know, congratulations, dude. Your biceps look fucking awesome and you look great. But guess what? You just concussed Finn Balor on his first singles match back last week. And, you know, Randy doesn't take lightly to concussions. You know, Randy will get your ass fired because he gets a backdrop done incorrectly. I'm not sure he would. I'm not sure Randy even wants this match with gender, to be quite honest with you. But, like, I won't say he deserves it. All I can say is I stepped away from that saying, you know what? That was shock value. Maybe not positive shock value, but I still don't hate it. Yeah, the thing about it for me, well, and I just want to go to something that Steven said. Speaking of SmackDown being the land of opportunity, you know, he had this hot take on Twitter. He said, SmackDown is not the land of opportunity. SmackDown is affirmative action for mid-card jobbers. <laughs> mm. Well, mm. I don't know if I don't know if he means from the beginning of SmackDown or just the latest installment of smack i mean well we could go back to the dolph ziggler thing but i think that that worked out though i i was you know i was in my feelings about that initially but they ended up telling a good story and i am not saying that they can't tell a good story with gender mahal it's just a hard pill to swallow right now knowing who Jinder Mahal is and what he's done in WWE, which is basically nothing. This is one of those scenarios where you know how somebody would say something and you respond back to them like, oh, no, that's not going to happen. That would be like Donald Trump becoming president or, you know, no, that's not going to happen because that'd be like Jinder Mahal getting a WWE championship match. It's fucking happened. Like you, you, we've reached the end of crazy here. Where is it? Are, are we about to walk off a damn cliff now? Like what is on the other? We've reached the end of crazy. Jinder Mahal being in a WWE championship match. That that's crazy. It's fucking we crazy. We reached the end. That he's probably going to lose this. Like of course, course. not. Of course. Dalton, good thing you bring that up because I want to propose a question to both of you guys right now. Do you think this match will even happen on pay-per-view? Or do you believe this <laughs> this will be a one-off match on a random episode of SmackDown? And I'm being serious because as random as that number one contenders match was, this title opportunity for Jinder Mahal could be just as random. So mm-hmm. I'm leaving the floor to you guys. See, with that one, it's... I, I honestly don't know because anybody who could possibly be a contender for the WWE Championship is already tied up in what's going on with the United States title. You don't have anyone who is really positioned for a WWE Championship match out of the people who are, you know, fighting over the United States title. So, you know, if this match was going to be on SmackDown, not on a pay-per-view, what goes in its place? I don't really have an answer right now so well keep in um, mind <laughs> keep in mind that uh the next pay-per-view hasn't happened yet yeah so so any it could still happen from any time from now until that next pay-per-view or after that pay-per-view wwe could have already found a new opponent for randy orton and it doesn't have to be jinder mahal and this is the issue I have with that matchup is that, you know, WWE is in this in this spot where I guess they've afforded the opportunity to not be clear with us because uh, they've not made it clear as to whether or not the House of Horrors, I'm saying it correctly, there's horrors, um, <laughs> the House of Horrors match is a title match. 
And that's mm-hmm. coming up, uh, not this coming weekend, but two weekends from now at Payback. They've not addressed as to whether or not uh, if it's a title match. And if it's not, I don't know why Randy isn't paying attention to gender then, because then that match really doesn't matter. And um, if it is for a title, then you need to address the possibility that Bray could take the title to Raw. More than likely, I don't see that happening anyway. But the fact is, you still need to address it on commentary. Um, and shoot, they made every attempt on commentary this past uh, Tuesday. I counted four different times. Tom Phillips said the winner of this six-pack challenge will go on to face Randy Orton at Backlash. So you're already telling me right now that this payback match doesn't matter. It's not for a title. So what the hell? This is not a blow-off then. So maybe they could use wait, it on SmackDown. Wait, wait, wait. wait, I thought you just said that the winner of the six-pack challenge faces Orton for the title at Backlash. Yeah, that's what they said on commentary, meaning that that it's either not for the title at Payback, or they're not going to address the fact that why it could take the title to Raw. So basically what you're saying is they said they would face Randy Orton, not the WWE. Yes, I, I can confirm this with absolute certainty because I wrote this on Twitter. Uh, I'm sure if you go back and listen to a feed of uh, SmackDown at least once, but more, I know I counted before, Tom said the winner of this match will face Randy Orton meaning they already discredited that Wyatt could take the title away unless they've just, you know, retconned the fact that this isn't. Exactly. Which, what the fuck is this match for? Yeah, and it wouldn't make any sense because Bray Wyatt lost the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. And you know what? My brain is hurting. Because he's owed a rematch. I told y'all this would be the worst winner in Royal Rumble history. And it turns out... That it's true because Randy Orton right now is not benefiting anybody. He's not benefiting Bray Wyatt. He's not going to benefit Jinder Mahal. Randy Orton is just being Randy Orton. He's doing Randy Orton things. And what <laughs> Randy Orton things are is just being in the ring and being dry and being dull and just being Randy Orton. That, that, there's literally no other way to describe Randy Orton because... There's not much to describe him other other than saying he's Randy Orton. That's how fucking bad he is. That, that's going to be a new insult. Like, man, Lucas, you're acting really Randy Orton right now. <laughs> you're just putting me to sleep, man. You're the personification of the color gray. Just <laughs> Randy poo candy ass. But, but let's, let's point out the one thing that was interesting about this whole Jinder Mahal scenario. And What's that? And that was that? this... Uh, these, these buddies of his who I guess helped him win. I mean, the Bollywood boys. Yeah. That's the only intriguing aspect to all of this. And I'll be honest, it's probably just a little bit, I guess a little bit intriguing, but not fully. Uh, What would you guys have to say about that part? Nothing. I don't know who these people are. I mean, I know their name is, you know, I know they're from NXT, but I, they were uh, in the cruiserweight classic. Oh, okay. Oh, so Cass would know them. Yeah. I mean, I I mean it, 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 hell, Cass knows the hell out of them. Cruiserweight Classic, a tag team, and NXT, man. man Cass, Cass knew them before they were even like on the indie Cass scene. Cass has their them. birth certificates. <laughs> fingerprints. You know, their favorite bands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the reason I asked that is because maybe i guess this is what could get jinder mahal's transformation going you know maybe he's the leader behind some sort of cult and also you know he's kind of i guess taking this anti-american role i don't know if that's gonna work or not but i mean i don't 
see, like, okay, the obvious criticism there is that, you know, there's a uh, Muhammad Hassan compar- comparison, um, even though gender is Indian, but people are still going to make that comparison. Yeah, um, yeah they're all brown. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's, that, that's like, what some people are stereotypes. Say. <laughs> I don't fit your stereotypes, but, like, the only person I can think of to compare this to is uh, kind of obscure here. When Tajiri had two heavies, uh, Ryan something, like Nasota and Akio, you know, they didn't really amount to much, but for a short time they were featured on TV with Tajiri, and I kind of feel like that's where they're going to start off with gender because you can't be a heavy to gender, not when he looks like that. Um, but He can be his I own mean, heavy. Yeah, he's his own heavy, and they just kind of <laughs> – you know, help him cheat to win, I guess. I don't know. I I, I, I fear that, honestly, you know, I, I won't say I'm, you know, bored by it, but I fear that they might go some stereotypical routes with this uh, collaboration. And so I'm just going to watch with bated breath. Anything else you all want to talk about? So uh, I want to talk – oh, sorry. Oh. Go ahead, Lucas. No, I was just going to ask, you mean in, re- in regards to Jinder Mahal or just like no. the entire – No, we covered all those bases. Yeah. They, uh, you know, you know, we'll, let's give it the United Airlines treatment and get the fuck out of here and talk about something <laughs> else. Um, so I want to talk about how strong Braun Strowman looked at the mm. end of Braun. Oh, yes. We have to talk about this. So coming hot off of his mollywop murder of Roman Reigns last week, you know, Braun Strowman, he's a – Honorable hero, giving garbage men uh, something to do every day, taking out the trash and throwing out Kalisto and Archuth and Gold Dust. <laughs> Kalisto you know, needs a, one of those tour buses. He needs to stay from backstage because he's always getting his ass whooped. Like, garbage, and now you are too. <laughs> you need to work on that Braun Strowman impression. Although I don't think that it's possible to, because his voice is just so awesome, you can't really recapture that. So. How do you capture that magic? It's, it it sounds like what it sounds like when you open Undertaker's urn. That's what I think it sounds like. Um, but so the matchup was really good. There's something to be said about a slow, giant, big man match because when it's used infrequently and we finally get those kind of matches, they're really seen for what they are. You know, you're given a chance to take it in because, you know, uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder, and I'm glad that they've cooled off on Big Show, and even though we've seen this match already, I thought this match between Strowman and Big Show was even better than the first one we saw. Yeah, that was and, you know, awesome stuff. The funny thing about it is the uh, the suplex spot, it has a history now. The cool thing is they did it in 2003 with Lesnar and Big Show, Henry and Big Show in 2011, and now Strowman and Big Show. And it's to the point there that when you introduce or tease that spot in the match, now we know to look for it because it's been done enough times. And if you space it out long enough, it has a, a, you know, a really big effect when it happens. And I really appreciated what they made this one different because if I'm if I'm rating the three spots, you know, the first one has to go second for me, and the Mark Henry one has to go third, and this one has to go first. And yes. It's not just because. Um, not only did it look amazing because the ring fell apart in a different way, and the ref took the bump of the century falling out of the <laughs> ring. On his did they head. have springs under the stairs too? Because they kind of like popped up a little bit. Like they went. I all- think when the post came out, it mm-hmm. like kicked the step up, and that's what made it go like tumbling. <laughs> <laughs> and then the ref hit the stairs. What I think was so telling was that uh, Strowman actually stood up after mm-hmm. the match because, or yeah, after the spot because the other two times. You had Lesnar and Show and Henry and Show just taking a double KO and then being carted off. 
you know, just really sell the effect that this suplex, the 750 pound suplex is dangerous. It's mm-hmm. damaging. And I appreciate that. But the fact that somebody who spent the whole night being the star of the show, taking out the trash, <laughs> throwing people away, and then taking care of Big Show and actually putting him down and then standing up after you just watched the ring implode, I don't know how you could make him look more monstrous. Yeah, it's almost like he's not human, like he's a, a, a monster among men or something like that. There's there's this one problem that needs to be addressed with Bronstra. What's that? Oh, boy. No, no, no. Don't get me wrong. I like everything that they're doing with him. I like this new role he's take he's taken. I, I I'm not gonna knock that at all. I guess more so, it's not a knock at Braun Strowman. It's more so just an issue that I have with everything unfolding with Braun Strowman. And you guys know what that issue is. Roman Reigns is completely in the no land right now after beating the Undertaker because all the attention has simply gone to Braun Strowman. Like, him beating The Undertaker now has basically become a side story, given what Braun Strowman has done. And I have an issue with that because, Jay, we talked, I don't know if this was last week or two weeks ago when we were on with Cass, but we pretty much talked about exactly what needed to happen with Roman Reigns after WrestleMania and how he could not afford to go back to this uh, role of of taking Mm -hmm. on that he's already beaten like if anything Roman Reigns should be taking a step forward not a step back and I have a huge issue with what they've done with Roman Reigns because this guy already beat Braun Strowman at Fastlane why should he have to prove himself and build this story again it's, it's like they're hitting a restart button with him and I don't understand why this restart this restart button is being unleashed when technically he's already passed Braun Strowman. People are like, oh, Braun Strowman is the new beast in town. You want to know what's going on? Go ahead. What happened with Roman Reigns is when he defeated The Undertaker, he entered into a new tier, so to say. So what came regularly to Roman Reigns or what was the standard for Roman Reigns previously, it just doesn't cut it anymore. So what WWE has done Roman Reigns has entered into a tier that's only reserved for part-timers, people who aren't around on a week-to-week basis because you can't sustain that type of star power and that type of um that type of presence with you being on TV every week. But it, it, so what they're doing is they're building up Braun Strowman in the same way that they used to build up people for John Cena. Like let's go ahead and call a spade a spade. Nexus was only as powerful as Nexus was so John Cena could whoop that ass and get another notch on his belt. That Same thing with Rusev. Yeah, you could say that one as well. And I think that we may have entered into that territory with Roman Reigns right now where Roman Reigns is... He's eclipsed the rest of the roster, so they have to build up Braun Strowman in this super strong way so that when Roman Reigns defeats him, it's not just a regular old Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman. It's Roman Reigns who defeated The Undertaker versus this absolute beast monster that is Braun Strowman. Even though I understand what they're doing. Hold on for a second. Because I understand what they're doing. I don't like it. 
Because yeah. as far as I'm concerned, shit, everything that Braun Strowman is doing now, Roman Reigns should be the motherfucker that's doing it. Yep. He should be the one that's doing it. Because I looked at him in that interview that he had with um, Michael Cole. You did not see a change in his tone. Like, I would have loved to believe after Roman Reigns, as cocky as he was in the match with The Undertaker, as arrogant as he, as he was the night after WrestleMania, you would think shit like that went to his head. You would not think that he all of this stuff is going on and he's talking about how humbled he was to beat The Undertaker, how much respect he has for The Undertaker. I would look at that guy and believe that he thinks that he's invincible now. That should be the dude that's turning over ambulances. That should be the dude that's, you know, beating the brakes off of folks backstage. And the way that you build up someone to have Roman Reigns face them, you look at somebody and say, hey, dude, or pick somebody backstage. Hey, you're going out of your damn mind. You're you're so cocky and so arrogant with the fact that you defeated The Undertaker, but guess what? This is not your yard. This is our yard. This is a WWE universe. This ring belongs to them. You know, some, you know, babyface going out there kissing ass and stuff like that. And I think that that would, I'm not necessarily saying that what is going on right now is bad. It's just that I, <laughs> this then, whole Roman Reigns Then you Reigns like thing. retouch a one versus all. Like what I'm getting out of that is... <clears throat> While I agree that Reigns should be doing something more along the lines that um, Strowman's doing, mm-hmm. um, I can certainly see like you know you just you just grab that which is unobtainable. You grab something so valuable that only one superstar can hold it, and that's the momentum of you know killing off the Undertaker. Mm-hmm. That I get, but if you position at least in what you provided, the whole backstage onslaught of superstars, you know, if, if everybody's now against Roman, are you not just running into the one versus all issue we had at Royal Rumble. What yeah, uh, but what but, but what are you dif- what are you saying the problem with that would be? Yeah, because it, the only diff well go ahead, Dalton. You can this is this is kinda like mm, I realize I'm backing myself into a corner here. I, I you know I think that'd be the right move to make, but people are going to just, you know, people being who they are are just going to assume that that's Roman running people over again and not taking his character. So what? If he runs people over and he does it with some attitude and some cockiness and they book him against faces, that's a different dynamic to Roman Reigns and you can actually make something of that. I think what WWE has done with Roman Reigns is... Because, you know, Roman Reigns, let's go ahead, call spade a spade. The dude gets fucking booed on TV. But from a character perspective, there was no reason to boo Roman Reigns before he defeated The Undertaker. So it made it very difficult from WW, for WWE from a narrative standpoint to acknowledge the fact that he gets booed. But you see, the night after WrestleMania, one of the first things that you hear the commentators say Oh, the crowd is booing Roman Reigns because of what happened last night at WrestleMania with him defeating The Undertaker. What they did was introduced into the world of WWE. Finally, we have a storyline reason for Roman Reigns to get booed. Pick up off of it. You can actually yeah. do something with it there. Shit, if Roman Reigns is running roughshod over the roster in WWE and they acknowledge that it's okay for him to get booed, it adds a completely different dynamic than the Roman Reigns that we have seen before. Yeah, because the the problem that you tried to explain with saying one versus all would kind of be a bad thing uh, because it's already happened before and, and now, the difference is 
what Jay just said, like Roman Reigns now is evolved. You know, he's he's a transformation, whereas the first time it kind of was him still trying to find his stride. Whereas now Roman Reigns is established enough to the point where him being booed, you can create something out of that where you can mm-hmm. benefit from that. Whereas before he was still stuck in that limbo of, oh, I'm the baby face just getting booed. But now it's literally one versus all, but it's not for the reason of him having to overcome the, the fan reaction. It's one versus all in the sense that Roman Reigns is the top fucking guy in the WWE and he's going through everybody. He's running rough shot on everybody and he doesn't give a fuck because he has beating the Undertaker on his resume. Like that that that's that's the kind of shit we're talking about. That's what we need to see more of. And that there is a story to be told there, but I don't think the story WWE is telling right now in regards to Braun Strowman is playing off of that because the problem with this one is what you just said, Dalton, like about the stuff from before, that's what they're doing. So instead of telling us the story that me and Jay just explained, Instead, what they're doing is they're reverting to that same story from a few years ago with Roman Reigns, the the good babyface guy that has to overcome all odds. Uh, that's the story they're tell they're telling against Braun Strowman, as opposed to saying the story that Roman Reigns is acknowledging the fact that he's being booed because he put out the Undertaker, because he's successful, because he's the top guy in the mount in the mountain, and everybody wants his head. That's not the story they're giving us. So that's the kind of like instead of Braun Strowman kicking Roman's ass, Roman should be kicking Braun's ass. That's basically all I'm trying. To and say. maybe even make it equal because I I hope. Oh my God, I hope they don't bring Roman Reigns back and he's this. This, you know, scrappy baby face that's, um, you know, he's getting beat down for mo- much of the match. Basically, th- this the same fucking match that they had before him and Braun Strowman, where he gets beat up for most of the match, and then he swings by in the end for a win. Braun Strowman is a dangerous individual. Roman Reigns has shown the capacity to be a dangerous individual himself. Remember what he did to Triple H a few years ago at TLC? That is the Roman Reigns we need to see upon his return. It can't be, oh my God, you hurt my feelings and you know, you you, you gave me a boo-boo so I'm going to have to teach you a lesson. No. (laughs) Beat that ass. Beat that ass. For all of the fire... Bring that ass here, boy. For all of the fire that that Braun Strowman turns out there, Roman Reigns, you have to respond in kind. You gotta do it. And you know what would be the perfect way for him to respond he comes back, he doesn't even say a word. He just kicks Braun's ass. Like, you know how he came out the night after WrestleMania and didn't say a word? That's what we should see from Roman Reigns. He comes back, he's like, listen, I'm not going to talk. I'm just going to kick your ass. And you see that look on his face where he has no regret, no remorse, no mercy for anything he does to Braun Strowman. And after the fact, he walks out like a badass motherfucker and says, yeah, I just did that. That's the kind of Roman Reigns we need to see. Mm-hmm. Not this guy who comes back start smiling after he beats Braun Strowman. No, none of that. Don't even smile. Just literally pin him, beat him, one, two, three, walk out of that ring and show off and don't say anything. Just play off what the crowd is giving you. And that's it. That like that that would be the perfect character going forward for Roman Reigns. A guy that is about it and isn't talking about it. He's being about it. That's the kind of Roman Reigns we need. Like we need a mean streak because I, re- I remember in the build up to the Reigns Taker uh, match, I was saying, 
I had a problem with every time Range would say, I respect you, Undertaker, but this is my yard now. Why do you have to say I respect you? Just mm-hmm. be a badass. Just because honestly, like I want, you know, I want Reigns to show initiative and attack uh, Strowman as well. Because if we let Strowman decide when it'll happen, he'll fucking walk away from the ring again. I'm getting so sick of Strowman. Like, that's what I need. I need Reigns to just surprise attack. Don't even like hint that he's going to be there. Just let it be out of nowhere. Because Strowman has gotten in a habit. Albeit it was, it served a purpose on Monday. He's gotten in a habit of just walking away from bigger contenders. He walked away from Lesnar. He walked away from Taker. If he walks away from Reigns too, and it's not because he's you know got something up his sleeve, I'm gonna be pissed off. Ready? Anything more to say before we close out this show? Yes, because I I, I want to stay on the subject of Braun Strowman at least for two more minutes here. People are getting their panties. So wet because Braun Strowman is at the top of the fucking mountain right now. But I assure you that this is temporary. And the only reason he is getting this kind of reception is because of a man he is going up against in Roman Reigns. I mean, just think about it, guys. Even when they teased a possible feud between Braun and Undertaker like a month ago or two, was the reaction there equal to the reaction Braun was getting against Roman Reigns? No. People would have booed the fuck out of Braun Strowman if he was facing The Undertaker. Same applies if he were to face Brock Lesnar. Whereas him facing Roman Reigns becomes a big deal because any it's any it's like what uh, Bray Wyatt said a few years ago. Anybody but you, Roman, or anybody but Roman. That's literally the logic that the fans apply to mm-hmm. a guy like We'll take you for now because you're facing Roman Reigns. Yeah, what happens after that? Uh, you know that dust has dried off, and, and he's basically no longer in a feud with Roman Reigns. You know what's going to happen? People talk less about Braun Strowman. That's what's going to happen. Well, I I still think that there's something there with Braun Strowman. Like I get where you're coming from, but there is something there. There is, and, and a lot of it is in part due to Roman Reigns, but Braun on his own, the dude has something. He does. He's a oh, yeah, he's tenfold. Mm. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's the most interesting character WWE has right now because it's one of those characters that's so rare that we haven't seen in so long. I mean, not even Brock Lesnar. Like, you know what I'm trying to say? Not mm-hmm. even Brock Lesnar is a rare character because we, like... How often do we see like these badasses that just come back and kick ass? But that's not rare. That's not unique. What Braun Strowman brings is not just kicking ass. Like he's just this fucking monster. Like he's not, you know what I mean? He's not. Mm-hmm. He doesn't hide behind Paul Heyman. He doesn't have a, somebody to speak for him. He and he, he has a good voice too. Words. That's you the know? biggest yeah, difference. Like, yeah, he's like a cartoon, but in a good way. It's like a cartoon that you you're taking seriously. And the last guy that we all can think of that reminds us of that is Kane. And I, fe- I feel like, is that a fair comparison to make? Like, Braun Strowman kind of reminds you of this big red monster from back in the day where he just kicks ass and is pretty scary. Like, that's the, that's the kind of impression Braun Strowman is leaving. And we haven't seen a monster be taken this seriously in so long. See, I haven't made that connection before. But it sounds crazy on the surface because of what we know Kane to be in the year 2017. But going back to when I started watching wrestling, you know, in, in yeah. the late 90s and things like that, 
I could totally see that. Of course, Braun doesn't have the supernatural element, but for how powerful he is, how dangerous, how monstrous he is and shit, it, it, I guess that's a benefit to Braun because he comes off as a legit monster, even without the supernatural element going for him that Kane did. So yep. I could, I could definitely see that. Hmm. Yep, yeah. And that, that's what I'm talking about. Like we don't see monsters live up to what a monster is supposed to be these days. And Braun Strowman is, is the only exception to that. You know, Mon uh, Braun Strowman's a monster based in reality because whereas Kane might have hooked your nuts up to jumper cables or, you know, set you <laughs> throw you into a flaming dumpster or set your coffin on fire, Braun will just tip your ambulance over. So th <laughs> right. there's some real life. And it's it's not like it's unbounded. It's drawing on his actual powerlifting ability. So I could see that comparison. I mean, I, yeah. like Jay said, I didn't put it together until you just mentioned it. But thinking about it, if I'm talking about serious giants, I was fearful of. Um, and took seriously and you know our younger age played in that but if I'm being serious like when Kane first unmasked in 2003 I legitimately had nightmares when he took his uh, mask <laughs> off and for like two or three two or three weeks after that moment uh, when he unmasked with the RVD I couldn't watch Raw and I was kind of cringing uh, and then you know we got used to it and now he's you know a Republican candidate running in Knox County Tennessee good luck Kane yeah, good luck, Kane. All right. Come <laughs> All right, thank you all for tuning in to the PWF Empire podcast. Make sure you check up on everything that we have out this week. There's a lot of stuff. We have the Raw review, the SmackDown review, and, of course, the episode of Last Mark Standing that we referenced at the beginning of the show. This is definitely a good one. It's it's a really, really good episode, so go ahead and check that out. And, Lucas, going to be planning for that rematch of yours. Oh, shit. I like where this is going. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll catch you later. Peace. Later days. Gimmick infringement.